Hello and welcome to 1111 with me, Kirsty Olive. In this episode, I get to sit down with a client and dear, dear friend of mine, Ria. Me and Ria met a few years ago and since then, both of our journeys have been interlinked but also have grown and evolved in so many different ways. I was really looking forward to sitting down with Ria and just seeing whatever came up, whatever we wanted to talk about. And I'm really glad that we did this. I know there will be lots of episodes from me and Ria in the future because who wouldn't want to sit down with a friend and talk and get into some really interesting healing topics. I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. So welcome Ria and thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's about time that we did this. So for those who are listening, me and Ria, we've known each other for a few years now. And our journey together has been really, really interesting, but also to see the journey that we've both been on separately within that time is, you know, just amazing. And I think we've both been through like a lot of changes and transformations in the past couple of years and I'm really looking forward to because we didn't plan or structure what we were going to talk about during this call and I know I already know there's going to have to be a second there's going to have to be a third somewhere down the line because I know that we're going to have so much to talk about so mm -hmm. before we get chatting before we dive in do you want to tell everybody who's listening just a little bit about yourself yeah, sure. So um, my name's Ria and I have been practicing holistic therapies for just over 10 years now. I have an eight-year-old son called Miller who often ends up on the, the goddess workshops because <laughs> I'm a single mum and I don't get much time to myself. Um, I have three cats, a snake, an allotment. Um, I like being outdoors, whether it's running, swimming. I I'm very lucky to live in Norfolk, so I have my choice of coastline and rivers. And I am one of these people that likes to swim all year round. So I, um, yeah, I think last week I had a little dip after a run and it was about four degrees. And it just makes my heart happy. Not every, it's not for everyone. <laughs> it's not for me. I need the warmth at all times. Yeah. Do you know, I never thought that I would be one of these people that liked doing it because I'm very much like I don't like being cold. I used to get like really bad back, uh, shoulder pains because I'd be like, like this around the winter. But my um, tolerance to cold has actually improved. And also oh, interesting. how I feel about the seasons now in my winter seasons I'm actually much more joyful and less although I still honor the season and use it as like introspection and to slow down there is still a part of me that looks forward to the winter now whereas before I used to really resent it because it was just cold and gray um so yeah really interesting um, we both done kind of the opposite thing there because for me I used to really really dread winter and the same as yourself I'd be really like hunched up in a ball I'd end up with a sore neck 
I'd be wrapped up and I'd like when it would get to even September, I'd actually start feeling like, I don't want to say depressed, you know what I mean? But I'd start feeling down thinking like, oh my God, we've got however many months of cold weather ahead and darkness. And I used to really, really dread it. Um, so your resolution to that was making yourself more cold by like swimming all year round. And my resolution was like, I need to move to Spain so that we don't have an intense winter like that. I need more warmth all year round. But you know what? That's, I get it. And I've, I was exactly the same. And I still actually want to like retire somewhere hot one day. I've told Miller that when I'm, when he's 18, I'm moving to Ecuador to go like, save whatever's left of the rainforest and he can come with me or not because yeah. fear of you know living here forever I think it's more the gray for me mm-hmm. but yeah it's funny though isn't it how we've done the opposite but both yeah. brought a lot of joy so yeah exactly and I think that's something really important like especially for everybody listening because sometimes we can hear an idea and think oh I have to do that now And especially in the world of social media, you know, where like, and I'm not dissing anybody who does any of these things, obviously, but everybody's getting up at 5am. Everybody's cold water swimming. There's certain things that have become a trend for good reason. Like they're amazing things to do. Um, But then for maybe people like me who, like I'm just being real, there is like no reason that I'm ever going to willingly get up at 5 a.m. unless it's to go to an airport. And that's just complete honesty, <laughs> you know. Um, but for some people, they really thrive, you know. Like I've got a friend, Christina, and she used to do like a 5 a.m. club. And they'd all be meeting on Zoom and like kind of watching inspirational videos together, getting ready for the day and stuff. And she tried to convince me to come to it a few times. <laughs> I no, I'll pass, but thank you, you know. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's not for me. Um, but, like, for a lot of people, that stuff's amazing. And I just want to highlight it. Like, just because, for example, the cold worked for you, moving country worked for me. Like, there's, in any area of your life, whatever it is that you're working on or healing, there's not just one path. Like there's not just one route or one fix or one right answer. There's actually so many of them. And by just exploring the different ones, instead of trying to maybe like force yourself into a path just because it's a trend or what you've seen other people doing, you know, I think that's really, really important, especially when you're on a very like feminine healing journey like what we're on you know it's about listening to what's working for you and finding that joy in a way that works for you it's interesting you say about the um the feminine journey because I knew I needed the water for the healing so that was the first thing the cold just kind of came with it it was about getting past my fear and um I wouldn't have been ready for the cold water swimming until I'd done the work with you because I I was kind of so far removed from my feminine energy because as we've discussed like I had a military upbringing so it was very much like in the masculine (laughs) 
and the patriarchy and it was I had a lovely childhood in a lot of different ways but I just just wasn't connected with my feminine energy and there was always something missing um so when I when I was blessed to find you and find the the womb healing work and connecting with my inner goddess then I started to make steps to then be ready for the um for the water and for the cold water swimming but yeah I I definitely witnessed it for a long time before I was ready to step into it literally (laughs) it's really interesting how without that even being your intention like to get into the water and stuff it's really interesting how when you get on a very feminine healing journey and again not applying this to every everyone but for a lot of people it like leads you on this path to water doesn't it I mean for me and I've talked about this before but I was terrified of water couldn't swim wouldn't get in the water um I the only time I would get in the water is to wakeboard and I'd have a life jacket on Mm -hmm. um I'd be like off the back of my dad's boat or if we were out on the boat, my dad would actually, because I couldn't swim, he'd put me, this is ridiculous now, and this is as an adult, by the way, not as a child, this is as an adult, he'd put me on like a float, um, like a lilo mm. or a float in the sea and then tie a rope to my arm so that I wouldn't drift off. <laughs> so like if I wanted to go in the sea off the boat, obviously I couldn't swim. So I'd just be like floating around side of the boat on a lilo um this is at like 20 something years of age which is ridiculous but I never thought that I'd be like a water person or I'd be like a sea person never ever ever and I mean now in the like warmest months I'm in the sea every single day swimming like on my own absolutely loving it no fear at all and it really is because of that very feminine healing journey like you said kind of leading you to the water even unconsciously even when it's not an intention and you don't know it in the beginning you don't know why um but just kind of healing maybe that relationship with your feminine it brings you closer to the water element and for me now I find the water is like the best healing thing for me Mm, it really is and I think it's that not knowing warm seawater just get that in there just in case you come over to the UK I'm like you know you said (laughs) there's um for me as well the the feminine saying about the feminine attribute needing to be in the water but the water scared me because I couldn't see what was underneath me it was that fear of the unknown and it's very much surrendering to being held by the water trusting your body um there's there's a lot of things that you've got to let go of to be able to float in the water and I think that's what a lot of people struggle with whether they you know whatever their ability of swimming is I think it's that fear of not being able to see underneath them and control their environment completely so when you kind of soften to that and again stepping into the divine feminine and just just trusting that it's all going to be okay it's um it's quite a powerful experience isn't it absolutely like for me was when I was still in school a friend from school drowned 
in a lake and it, I just remember at the time it just being like this was like my first real memory in life of like you know like a tragedy happening mm-hmm. you know like I had people who had died but like they were old or you know it was like expected and stuff and um, so this was like the first memory I have of something that you know like really really shocked me um in such a way and I had nightmares about it for years after and I never spoke to anyone like my mom and my dad knew about this because like they'd have to run into my room in the middle of the night to like wake me up or to turn my light on or check if I was okay because I'd have nightmares for years afterwards um and it was only like when I got older and I was talking about this in therapy that she was like well it sounds like you actually had PTSD like everything you're describing to me and stuff is like PTSD but I didn't know like at the time I didn't know about PTSD I didn't know that you could get PTSD from something that didn't even happen to you mm-hmm. you know I mean just from like being at school with somebody that happened to and being a friend with somebody that happened to but like I was very young you know and um, it obviously really, really like shocked me and scared me. And so I was like, I'm never going to swim, never going to get in the water. Like I was terrified. Uh, and it was actually like as I was on my healing journey and then being with Stewie because he loves being in the water. He loves swimming, like loves snorkeling, everything. And so we go to the beach and like first he'd be like, just come in up to your knees and like we can, you know, link arms or hold hands, just come in up to your knees and we'll go in just up to the knees. It'll be fine. And like, it just slowly, very, like very slowly, gradually increased until like, you know, I'd be okay with going in up to my chest. And then he'd be like, try and like hold your nose and just dip your face in, you know? Um, And it was a really big, challenge for me in the beginning and whereas now like I scuba dive you know I swim in the sea every single day I love it yeah but I think the combination of that like feminine healing journey and like you said that surrender and that trust Mm. and just not being so fearful all the time because it wasn't just that area of my life where I was like holding on to like fear and worry you know it was my whole body was just a big ball of fear and worry and stress at one point and the more that I began to unravel that like the more that it unraveled in this specific situation you know and then obviously having the safety of like Stewie like having a safe person there with me who's like gently encouraging and making it like enjoyable and fun you know um and thank god because like the water is the best thing in the world to me now i i love it and that in stewie as well was quite um like a gentle feminine energy isn't it because he's like like you would do with a child like very softly gently patient you know not expecting or shaming yeah i think that was a big thing as well was like just him not even like not that he would but the fact that like he didn't laugh at me when I'd panic after dipping my face in (laughs) at like 23 or 25 years of age or however old I would have been you know was just really like okay it's okay if 
this happens or it's okay if like today I'm like I go in a little bit and then I change my mind and want to go back out like it's okay to kind of do that and stuff uh which was really really nice and like it's just it's crazy it's crazy it actually feels like a completely different life and a completely different person mm -hmm. you know the same as like if when I think back to the fact that I didn't used to go in the water or I wouldn't put my face in water or anything to now like I'm literally a mermaid if I do say so <laughs> myself um it is like a different person because yeah, you know absolutely. you're constantly like the, the essence of who you are is always there but these these fears that we're um you know unraveling and moving through are changing us fundamentally and our whole perspective on life so you are a different person now and it's the same in terms of like the as you said like the fears and the traumas and stuff it's the same when I look back do you know when I'm say teaching a workshop or something and I'm talking about when I used to have panic attacks Sometimes when I'm saying it, I'm almost like, was that me? Was that really me having 10 panic attacks a day? You know, because it just feels so foreign to me now, you know, like I couldn't imagine that anymore because I've just changed so much since then. That I, I, I can't even relate anymore to like that old version of myself in a good way, you know. Mm. It's a journey, isn't it? It's really interesting when you can witness these past versions of yourself. I had um, something recently come up and that was a conversation I had with someone and it was mirroring something that I used to do. And I just felt this like huge dose of empathy for like their journey and what they were trying to move through. But also remembering that I was doing that years back and just like all this sadness came up in me and it was like it almost felt a bit like grief but because there were lots of different feelings in it there was anger there was sadness there was gratitude um but yeah I was really surprised just how one conversation with someone um brought up all the all these feelings for them and past versions of me and how I guess hard we've worked to get here because although it's great that I get to reap the rewards now there's past versions of me that were like some days didn't know if I was going to make it through you know I was that trapped in my fear and in my lack and um you know those past versions of me are just like my heroes because <laughs> They didn't really know what they were doing, but they stuck it out anyway and they just kept moving forward. So, yeah, I feel quite emotional talking about it, actually. It's, we're quite amazing, aren't we, as human beings, you know, when we do the work. Mm. It's incredible, especially, obviously, in the work that, like, we do and in the spaces that we're in and stuff. The amount of stories that I hear from women where I literally just get, like, goosebumps of my arms just thinking like how brave and strong and beautiful and kind and incredible you know like and sometimes when these women are telling me their stories you know they're just really suffering with like low self-worth or no confidence and stuff and I'm like I wish 
you could see you right now through the lens that I'm seeing you through, you know, because like what I'm seeing is like, wow, like you should be so proud. You should be so brave. Like, what do you mean you have no confidence? Look at everything that you've done and been through. And yet you're here still choosing kindness, still choosing love, still choosing to heal, you know, and it's incredible. And I just wish, like, I wish I could just infuse that, you know, into everybody, like even those past versions of ourselves, of me and you, you know, like I wish that back then when we needed it most, you know, we could see that like strength and confidence and those qualities within ourselves that we just maybe didn't feel at the time. Nice if there was like a magic pair of glasses that we could just like hand around for a confidence <laughs> boost, a little bit of insight. <laughs> I know, I know. And I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yeah. What would you, so if thinking of that, like those past versions of yourself, and then maybe anybody who's listening, who's maybe at that point, like where you were and where I was, that point where we maybe are still really struggling and uh, stuck in fear and struggling to kind of feel those qualities inside of ourselves. What would be like the one thing that you would just really, really want that person to know? Okay. Um first thing that came up as you were gonna ask me that was that your your past doesn't define your future because I think although everything that happens I do believe happens for a reason because it's given you lessons and opportunities for growth past that point what's happened in the past is not relevant it doesn't uh, it doesn't dictate how you're going to move through things or it doesn't have to anyway um, and I think that sometimes you said something recently where you said like I used to feel like I owned all the world's problems and I think that you you can get really trapped in a mindset where you think well all of this is happening to me so this this is my lot now this is just how things are going to be I'm not good enough I'm not strong enough um, I'm too tired I don't even know where to start. It's all too much. Um, people don't appreciate me. You know, all of these are just ideas and often they're projections from other people that have not been able to see you or celebrate you. So you almost identify with them. You end up thinking, well, you know, if 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 my ex split up with me, if my friend doesn't want to talk to me anymore and I don't have a good connection with with my dad and I don't really like my job you know what what else can go wrong but I think there's so much that can go right but we just can't see it yet yeah so yeah one thing is not looking in the past and then that define your future because absolutely anything is possible I mean if I could sit down with past versions of me and show them all the stuff I'm doing now I would probably laugh <laughs> a lot oh God, yeah. about you know where we were then and where we are now and then have another version of me two years in the future that's like I bet you didn't know that was going to happen and 
it just goes on and on and on. The only person that is going to get in your way is you because and that's that's a hard pill to swallow because I think when you're struggling the last thing you need to hear is that you're the one getting in your own way but that for sure for me I was I was keeping myself small by being in a victim mindset because it kept me safe for better or for worse if I didn't have much hope or didn't expect much out of life, didn't want to strive for much, then I had less chance of feeling hurt or disappointed or getting rejected. So I kept myself small. I believed that everything was against me and that I wasn't enough. But then I had quite a few things happen in quick succession. This was about four years ago. I had a few Cali moments, but four years ago is where I feel I had my spiritual breakthrough. And I had so many things fall away that weren't meant for me that I had literally, I was stripped bare, had no choice but to pick up the pieces and do it differently. Or I could have remained. But if I'd have remained, and this might be a hard thing to hear, but I probably wouldn't have been here because I was so low. Um, (laughs) and it was like the universe gifted me it didn't feel like a gift at the time but my son went to live with um, his dad for a month because this is when COVID hit and I worked in a shop so I was you know front line and you know whatever (laughs) whatever else we believed at the time but it was very much like everyone was scared we didn't really know what was going on and my son's um, stepmother was pregnant So I thought I was doing the right thing, protecting him, protecting her and the unborn child. But I had fresh out of a breakup. COVID had happened, so I didn't have any friends around me. And then my son, my literal, my only anchor wasn't there either. So, you know, Callie was like, enough. (laughs) We're doing this now. We're not running away. We're not distracting ourselves by going down the pub and drinking or putting all of our happiness into other people's hands we're going to do this and so I was faced with a choice I did the work or I just let it swallow me whole and yeah I'm so glad I did the work because four years on I have never excuse me felt so connected to myself so this isn't like me being um, dramatic I literally feel ecstatic about life like I have moments you know where I'm like oh god did that have to happen today or you know like the other (laughs) yesterday I came was it yesterday or the day before I came on my period we just came into mercury retrograde it was a new moon and then I clipped someone's car and I was I was like are you joking yeah you know and I had a little cry and I felt a bit overwhelmed because I was like oh just before Christmas I gotta find this money and then I sat there and I was like we're not going to do this we're not going to be like woe is me I own all the problems in the world and I just started like Miller could have been in the car um it could have been like a really bad accident someone could have got hurt um you know it just started saying all the things you know that 
could have gone wrong but didn't and all the things that I was grateful for and within like half an hour of having a little word with myself I was like okay life life is good so the bounce back now like I still allow myself to feel crap sometimes and peed off about life but I don't sit in it like I used to I used to lament and like like it was a fine wine I was like oh you know I'm just gonna yeah. drink the whole bottle <laughs> whereas now, I think you know, we I'm do like, we do kind of like at some points on our journey we do kind of want to wallow in it don't we like I've been through that stage as well where like I'd be like no I'm gonna cry for three days straight and nobody can tell me otherwise you know and like I'm already crying but I'm gonna watch sad movies to make me cry more or listen to sad <laughs> to make me cry more. you know instead of like cheering myself up I'm gonna actually make myself feel worse here um and it's so funny actually when you were I mean it's not funny that this happened to you of you know one thing happening after the other but it just reminds me of what we were talking about earlier this was before the call we were talking about so at my womb healing retreat in May so Ria was there and after the retreat so after this magical few days of like literally floating on cloud nine having the most just spiritual profound amazing experience came home and as I walked into the kitchen I realized that I had forgot to instruct Stewie in my absence to burp the bottles of my kombucha. So I brew kombucha at home. And during the second ferment, the bottles need to be opened every 12 hours because the gas builds up. And if you don't do that every 12 hours, they'll explode basically. So I came back from retreat, realized I had forgot to give him those instructions. And I was like, it'll be fine. I'll just quickly do it now opened one of the bottles and it exploded into my face but all the way up onto the ceiling all the way down the cupboards all over the benches all over the floor and I was just like if this isn't a healthy dose of reality <laughs> after being on cloud nine for the past five days I don't know what is and it just like I, I mean, I literally, my eyes were burning because kombucha is very like acidic and it had been sitting there for a few days. So my eyes were like burning. I had fermented fruit, like stuck to my face, stuck to the ceiling. <laughs> and I was like, do you know what? I was like, I just have to laugh. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just almost as if, like, I felt like just the universe was just playing a joke on me or something, you know, and being like, oh you're all like spiritual and up here and floaty okay well get back to reality for a moment kind of thing that's what it felt like you know and um, now whenever like things like that happen because I would be the same as you you know genuinely feeling just that like joy and connectedness about life and something that I never thought I'd be saying uh but when now when stuff like that happens like you said I don't I mean I've used a very light-hearted example do you know what I mean like getting kombucha in your eyes and on your ceiling is not the same as like clipping somebody's car or whatever there's obviously much much worse examples but I'm just using that as an example of like how now 
that made me think of things a little bit differently. You know, like now when something is happening and it's not going my way or it feels like one thing after another, now I almost just kind of laugh a little bit and I'm like, right, okay, I get it. You know, like grounding me back down to reality. That's fine. I'll accept it. And it just kind of makes me almost acknowledge it and then smile a little bit rather than getting the frustration that I maybe would have once felt in those moments. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. For me, it almost feels like before I had a sense of entitlement that like, how dare this happen to me? You know, why me? And it's like, well, why not you? You know, like, and also maybe it's not the disaster you think it is. Maybe it's teaching you something or maybe you just like you said just not supposed to take life so seriously and it's balanced isn't it you can't have the sweetness without the bitter because it just that's just not how life works and it doesn't have to be that these things are only as big as you make them you know I mean granted there are some things you'll move through in life that you're gonna have to give more sadness and anger and pain too um but you know what whenever I've gone through something that's been really raw and difficult I mean one of the most difficult things I ever moved through was um when I lost lost a child and it was hands down one of the most horrific things that I ever went through having to give birth at 16 weeks to a stillborn baby but in the aftermath of that was a week later, I found out I was pregnant with Miller. Mm. And having just, you know, complete joy of, oh, my God, you know, and still being in my grief, but also like having this hope again. And it literally it would go back and forth throughout the pregnancy because my innocence was kind of stolen then of it just being, you know, smooth sailing but my son is one of the shiniest happiest typical leo but just emotionally intelligent inspiration to be around and i know that he was he was that light at the end of the tunnel so there is always that whenever you're going through something difficult it's just you've got to allow yourself to have some darkness with some lightness and it's how you want to move through it that's going to dictate how long you want to sit in it for so yeah yeah and I think one thing I really noticed there in what you were saying is like it's how you respond to these moments and these situations that really can like completely change the way you are in the world and the way you move through them. Because for example, let's use like something just for this example, I'm going to use something like a little bit lighter, but you know, like those everyday events that we were talking about that can happen, you know, like flipping somebody's car or, you know, um, something like that happening. And I'm just trying to find the way to explain this in the way that I want to. So like when those things happen, if we are 
holding inside anyway like regardless of this event that's happening if we're holding inside anyway like a lot of unresolved anger and frustration then when these moments happen we're gonna like lose it we're gonna mm -hmm. explode we're gonna make it into something like far far bigger than it actually is whereas if we are living in a place of like joy and connection and actually feeling good then when these moments happen like yes we can have a little cry we can have a bit of frustration we can you know think to ourselves like crap how am I gonna <laughs> fix this or sort this out but like you said you're not wallowing in it you know you're feeling it you're like okay this is really annoying this is sad this is frustrating but we keep moving you know we we don't stay in it but then also let's then move into these like much bigger and deeper experiences like what you were said you know like losing a child again in those instances you know like if in those instances, we are living in a place of like fear and unresolved anger and trauma, all of this unhealed stuff that's just bubbling underneath the surface, you know, then when something awful and heartbreaking like that happens, it's going to be, uh, I mean, it's always going to be something really, really, really challenging to, to move through. But it's going to be, a, does, does this make sense? You know, it's going to feel a whole lot more difficult to even just keep your head above water. Yeah, if you're, yeah, if you're in that place of like stuck and unresolved trauma and fear and stuff, and especially a place of maybe trying to like hide and suppress what you're feeling rather than a place of like, it's okay for me to feel this. Like you said, you're going really up and down between the joy of being pregnant again and then just having lost a child. I mean, I can't even imagine what that roller coaster plus the pregnancy hormones, you know. I, just, I can't um, even imagine. It wasn't a, I wasn't in a very healthy dynamic. My marriage, you know, wasn't um it wasn't yeah, a healthy marriage either. So I didn't feel like I had a lot of support. And it's funny, although I I can hear what I just said about the fact that I felt, you know, the back and forth. I didn't actually feel it fully, feel it fully, because it wasn't until Miller was born that suddenly I I dealed with the grief of Hudson. And, and that was, I mean, I think Miller was 18 months old and me and his dad separated. And it was, it all came out. <clears throat> and it was again, because it wasn't a very healthy dynamic between us. We were both effectively had these inner children who we were both had toxic traits and we were both just blaming each other. <clears throat> Excuse me, my ego. <laughs> um, both blaming each other for how the other person was making us feel as opposed to taking ownership of, you know, how we could make it better. But I hadn't learned all these things at that point. I was still in victim mode. Um, oh, you know, this is happening to me and no one loves me and no one understands me. So that was one of my big Callie moments. Again, she just, 
it often happens off the back of a relationship for me because it's like you need to do this on your own you need to figure out exactly what it is you want and how you want to move forward and um yeah I learned a lot about myself in the aftermath of that um and again four years ago but it'll catch up with you <laughs> you can't you really can't run away from it and you can you know suppress it and numb it and I, I did that for many years with alcohol that was my my coping mechanism um but yeah it just got to a point where it was like I just can't I can't be that person anymore that just pretends that the feelings aren't there and especially trying to be a conscious parent to Miller if I'm numbing and pretending and then having these moments where I suddenly just blow up because I've got all this anger and sadness inside of me, I can't be the parent I want to be to him. Yeah. I can't be the person I need to be for me either. So, yeah, but it's it's scary turning around and facing all of that. And <laughs> initially when you do it, it's like feeling around in the dark because there's just so much shit <laughs> there's a lot of stuff there that yeah you don't even know what to start with but the more you do the work the more you do you know like what finding you and doing the womb healing finding the wild swimming finding ecstatic dance finding cacao um finding meditation and then recently um tantra it's just I just get to connect deeper and deeper with these, the real authentic me and peel back these layers of conditioning that, you know, I, I've carried, I've hoarded around like they're mine. You know, these opinions that other people have given me or this pain that I had from years ago. And I'm just, I'm so ready to put it down now because life feels really good. And who doesn't want to feel good? Yeah. And it's amazing, isn't it, how, and this is one of the things that I think is really, really so powerful on a healing journey. Like, yes, of course, the practices themselves, incredible, you know, like womb healing, tantra, um, meditation, all of these things are incredible. But for me, and I know for a lot of women, it's connecting with other people and hearing their vulnerability and their stories and their own journey and just seeing like there is actually a lot of good in the world there is a lot of because obviously when you're suffering from trauma or grief or whatever you can kind of plunge into that darkness and hopelessness but then when you connect with other people who are on a healing journey and recognize like first of all there is another way to live. The way that I'm living now is like not the only way. There is a, another way to live. And it is a way where we are connected together and we are supporting each other. And it's a way to live and actually be in joy and in harmony and in connection, you know, because like try telling that to the 16-year-old me, you know, like I just wouldn't have believed it because it's not the life or the world that I had witnessed growing up you know I like like what you said that if you told 
the version of yourself a few years ago, all of the stuff that you were doing now, you wouldn't have believed it. Mm. You know, because we just, your perception of the world as you're going through this journey completely changes. Like I didn't even know that this whole new world was available to me. You know, and that's, I always say this to everybody, especially when people are trying to manifest on their healing journey because there's no way I could have like specifically known to manifest what I have now. Like not even in my wildest dreams could I ever have imagined that this would be my life, you know? And because people always try and get really specific, you know? Whereas like to me, what I found was just, manifesting like more happiness more joy more connection more peace rather than like very very specific things and trusting that actually the plan of god goddess you know however you want to explain that but their plan is actually greater than the plan Mm -hmm. that i could think of for myself you know because my plan for myself was i wanted to be a ballet dancer (laughs) but like this life that I have is far beyond I mean obviously I'm joking I did want to be a ballet dancer when I was like five years old you know but (laughs) that was like my dream I wanted to be I wanted to be like ballerina Katrina is what I used to say um but you know the life that I have now is something that even in my wildest dreams I couldn't have like planned or set goals or even tried to manifest because I didn't even know that it was possible like I didn't even know that life could exist in this way you know and I really think that like connecting with just so many other like women who are actually healing it just gave me so much faith because like I was really when I got onto my healing journey I was really like hopeless I thought everybody in the world was bad and everybody wanted to hurt me and the world was a big scary place you know whereas now I see that it's actually the complete opposite you know. You had difficult connections with women didn't you so it's hard to believe that there's safe women out there if that's you know what you were kind of born into I had the opposite with the masculine so I had safe women around me but not necessarily massively feminine women so for me it's very much been healing the wounded masculine but I had to start with the sisterhood first because you're so right like when you're around women that you find resonance with and you find inspiring in equal doses like for me, I was so codependent. If someone had asked me, what is it that you want? I couldn't answer it. And I used to feel so frustrated because I was like, what is it that I want? How the hell do I not know what I want? Like everyone else has got an idea. And But seeing other women say, you know, I'm doing this or I've moved through that. And I'm like, oh, I want to be a little bit like them. So even though I still want to be me, I was kind of like, finding resonance finding gifts and insights and inspiration and I still do it now like I'm so blessed to have women like yourself and numerous other friends of mine that you know I've got an adventurous friend I've got um a businesswoman friend I've got a shamanic friend I've got an empathic you know I've got 
these beautiful women around me that are teaching me how to be even better versions of myself and I'm enough as I am now I absolutely love myself which feels really good to say because I didn't for a very long time but there's always room for more like more expansion more growth more healing and I know that surrounding myself with women that also are learning how to love themselves and celebrate themselves and celebrate each other you know none of this competitive mm. you know I want to be better than her I want what she's got and I want to do it better there's no there's no room for that in the healing journey it's it's that sisterhood in in your groups you know yeah I think I've only known maybe two or three women but I feel like I've known most of these women all my life because we're all we're all connected we've all been through similar journeys and we just we all we are all connected it's just an illusion isn't it that we're separate absolutely I mean think about in May when we were on retreat you know obviously I knew everybody to some to different levels you know I knew everybody was there because these were all coming there like to come on my retreat but nobody else knew each other and I mean it was only what, what was it five or six days but mm. by the end of it it was like we all just knew each other on this really like deep like we really just all understood each other yeah you know, and we all just really like seen each other. And it was it was a really, really amazing. And I think that that really is the power of like sisterhood, you know, is that you can meet people <laughs> that you've never spoken to before in your life. And with only within only like a couple of hours or a couple of days or a couple of weeks, you know, you can form like a bond and a connection with them where, like you said, that illusion of separateness is just gone, mm. you know? And it's like it's an amazing feeling, especially because a lot of us, whether it be with women or men or just everybody, like a lot of us have grew up in environments where we've been like starved of love, starved of connection, starved of like real friendship and real support and... So then being able to connect with people and like not just experience that, but like really, really experience that on a deep level. Mm. It's just, it's, it's magical. It's like, it's the best feeling in the world to me. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? It's, and it makes you, I don't know about you, but when I have these moments of like pure joy and ecstasy, there's also like a little bit of anger that comes up as well. It's like that grief again, and it might just be fleeting, but it's, it's knowing that that kind of happiness is actually real. It's not stuff for fairy tales. Like you really can be that ecstatic and blissful, like the whole heaven on earth thing. It's real. And we've just been, conditioned to believe that that's not for us but every time that you have a practice where you connect with your sisters and you really cry and you feel that catharsis in that and then on 
the other side of that is joy and laughter and connection. And that's all and I think any of us are looking for, you know, going back to the the coping mechanisms, you know, that we use, because we only know that going down the pub and having pints and getting getting drunk and then, you know, sharing with your friends and having getting a bit soppy is how we do it. We don't realise that you can do that sober. You can do that community and that connection and that vulnerability without the masking. And it's safe. There are safe spaces to share and be yourself and not be judged. It's interesting because as you're you're saying that and like we're talking about, you know, like genuinely like going through life and feeling that like ecstatic and connected feeling. And it's not even a feeling. It's just a state of being, isn't it? You know, it's not just like a feeling because feelings, I think, can be like very fleeting. It's just a, a way of living, a way of being, a way of experiencing the world. But what's interesting is I remember I was at a really, really dark point on my healing journey. And this was the point on my journey that I often laugh about when I'm telling people because it was the, I need to consume everything. I need to read every self-help book. I need to do every course. I need to watch every documentary. I need to do every meditation. And it was really just like consume, consume, consume everything without like integrating and actually putting things into practice and understanding them, you know, it was just consume, consume. Almost like desperation, you know, of like find me the thing that's going to work. And What's really interesting is when I was at that point and I'd be listening to, say, podcasts or books that were talking about, like, living in that way of, like, sacred sisterhood and living just where everything is a joy and you're genuinely, like, feeling that love and connection just bursting out of you all the time. I would literally be like rolling my eyes so far into the back of my head and just thinking like, you know, almost a bit like, oh, fuck off, you know, like yeah. get real. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Enough of the bullshit, just get real with me. Like, how do I heal? But n- now I actually, and it, it that was obviously within me, it's like fear of, like, what if it's not possible for me? So I'm going to shoot it down now in the beginning, you know, just because I'm afraid. Like, what if I never feel that? Or I've never, ever witnessed anybody in my life who, like, lives in that way. So how can I believe that that's true? It's obviously not true, you know? And I'd be very, like, beyond skeptical you know I'd almost get a bit annoyed Mm. about it you know thinking like oh what bullshit like just tell me like the steps that I need to do in order to not feel like shit anymore enough with all of your like (laughs) you know extra stuff what's that saying like the trigger is usually where the healing is if you're getting triggered by something you probably need to look deeper exactly and that was the thing for me because I used to get really annoyed by it um just purely out of fear like just purely out of like and now looking back I can see that but at the time I didn't know that but I was just terrified like what if I never get to experience that you know so 
if I shoot it down now and pretend it's not possible, then it'll not feel as bad if I don't ever get to experience that. You know, whereas I used to think like, if I get my hopes up, thinking that like, okay, this healing is possible for me, sisterhood is possible for me, like living in this way is possible for me, then like, what if it doesn't happen? And then it'll be an even worse crash back down to reality, you know. But when I began to kind of connect more with myself and heal my relationship with myself and begin to trust in myself more, that was when I began to be like, it's okay. Like, what about instead of like, what if that's not possible for me? Like, what if that is possible for me? you know because I was focusing on like the negative of like oh yeah that's bullshit shooting it down because I didn't think it was possible for me but then when I was really healing and healing the relationship with myself I started to ask myself like okay but like who said it is impossible like that's just a voice inside me telling that to myself that doesn't make it true what about all of these people that I'm listening to who are telling me their own stories and their own journeys like what is it within me that is refusing to believe yeah. that story that they're telling me? Like, why couldn't that be true? Like, and this was at a point on my journey where I was like really being guided by angels and receiving like a lot of messages and stuff. So then like on the one hand, I'm having this beautiful spiritual experience. And on the other hand, I'm disbelieving <laughs> like, these future spiritual experiences you know and it was really really interesting when I began to like notice that and witness that and question that you know and be like well why am I not believing that like, if I'm having this experience then why can't that experience also be true you know and that began to just open up like a lot of possibility and opportunity and just excitement you know mm -hmm. like almost like butterflies of like well what if it is possible like what if I can have a happy healthy life and good relationships and you know genuinely be connected and happy and it's amazing how because there's not there's not like a specific point on my journey that I can look back on and think like oh that was the like moment where I began to like see it and believe in myself you know it was these little just small things yeah. that were happening over time and it's only now like as we're talking and I'm looking back over it that I'm realizing like what an actual journey that was you know like I think it happens that way as well because if we were to like have an itinerary and it's like the universe is like right so we're going to do this in this week and then this that would just like go <gasps> like I'm on a schedule now I, I, I can't I can't do it to that whereas where it just happens organically and it's it's all happening behind the scenes as well you suddenly just get to a point where you're like oh that didn't trigger me or upset me or you know affect me the way it used to you know when did that happen I love the fact that it just unfold unfolds unfolds at a natural progression I think that's really like the masculine energy that was really in me back then was like I have to know like I have to understand it I have to know the next steps 
in order to believe it. Like, what do you mean just trust that it's all going to work out? Like, tell me specific things that I have to do next step, next step, you know? Um, it's really hard to surrender, isn't it, though? Again, it's when you felt like you don't have control over your life because for whatever reason, you know, this trauma's happened to you and then you get so used to, like you were saying, like, doing the eye roll and being pessimistic it's that keeping you small to keep you safe dynamic to actually step out of that into something bigger and less obvious and surrender to the unknown it's it's a big leap into that that healing journey and I, I actually love the way that you just described that there keeping you small to keep you safe because there was a point where I used to look back on maybe that version of myself where I feel a little bit of shame about, you know, like I can't believe I used to be rolling my eyes and, you know, so pessimistic about stuff. Whereas now I, I'm like, that was my way of keeping myself safe. Like I was afraid and that was my coping mechanism. You know, it doesn't make me, a bad person it doesn't make me um lesser of a person because I went through that stage it was just a step on the journey and I think a lot of people who are listening could also really like do with hearing that message right now you know of like whatever whatever your survival response is like don't be so hard on yourself about it you know because that's exactly what it is it's trying to keep you safe in the only way that you know how or the only way that you can in the moment and so by like focusing on rebuilding that relationship with yourself and creating that sense of safety in yourself and in your life then you won't need those old survival mechanisms anymore and they'll just begin to fall away. Yeah, definitely. And I, I can tell you, I I have shamed myself in every way possible to try and motivate change and it doesn't fucking work. So <laughs> the the way that if I fuck up like most humans do, I don't beat myself up the way I used to now. I'm I have a different approach. I will remind myself that there's always room to grow and that I want to grow. So I have a conversation with myself rather than berating myself. And also other people that want to shame me. I just have less tolerance for it now because they're just playing out old paradigms of what they had put on them or what they're putting onto themselves. Um, so, yeah, shame is shame is not a good motivator for change it's much better to come from a place of compassion and softness and you know I think there's a fear as well that people think I hear the word snowflake getting thrown about a lot in you know the new way that we're thinking because people still think you need to have tough love and <laughs> and all of that to like get people to listen and pay attention and take responsibility but accountability is never required people to be unkind 
accountability is just knowing that you deserve better and you can do better and you can do that with kindness and softness so yeah that that would be another thing I would tell old versions of me that stop shaming yourself um just go gently yeah I mean for me on my journey and I know a lot of the women that I work with and speak with shame is like the most soul eating soul destroying emotion or feeling you know that you can feel I mean for me at any point when I look back on my journey like at my worst points in life it was shame that was absolutely eating me alive you know it was shame that was pulling me under it was shame that was drowning me Mm -hmm. and like as if we don't have enough (laughs) to be dealing with in life already without putting more shame on ourselves when we were just trying to survive when we were just trying to do our best and keep ourselves safe you know it's I mean come on ladies (laughs) like we need to snap out of that you know because it's a big thing like for us women is to shame ourselves and to eat ourselves up over those things and I feel like shame can if you don't recognize it and work on healing that relationship with yourself and healing that shame I mean it can it can really drag you down yeah massively especially if you've got people in your life who are also like projecting and adding to that shame can be even worse because then they're like echoing yeah back to you what, what you're already battling against and they're not even aware it's just these these, these repeated it's like generational trauma people just regurgitating what they were fed and I think being a mother and trying to be as conscious and as gentle a parent as possible I'll say things and then I'm like that's not even how I feel like where's that come from and then I get an opportunity to like apologize to my son and be like you know mummy mummy wasn't very kind with that I'm sorry. And then, like, you know, we can dismantle it together and actually come up with a better way of communicating rather than using this shame system. They, you know, they do it in schools. They do it, you know, parents do it, work em- employments do it. It's, you know, it's fear of punishment. And again, they're trying to use shame as a motivator and it just doesn't work. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah, I've I had a really beautiful opportunity to explore shame. I was saying about the tantric work, and it is incredible how many men and women I've met that are locked in their fear because of shame. And when you're doing work like tantra, like there's no in between. You're either in or you're out. And when you go in it really gets like goes deep into the nitty gritty and you know those really dark areas and shadow and trudges it all up to the surface and just shame shame is the big thing for women it's shame in expressing ourselves in our pleasure because we've fitted into these performative roles where we make a man's pleasure paramount to our own so being fully receiving pleasure 
without guilt and expressing pleasure without performance is something that seems to come up for a lot of women. Um, and rage, rage is a huge one for women because it's that, I remember when I I had some unclearing with this beautiful woman who's been doing the tantric work for over 10 years and she she released this rage in my womb and I had no idea how much was stored there. Because I, I went in thinking, yeah, I'm pretty self-aware. I'm quite a happy person. <laughs> and I was like, I could feel it. I was like, like, I was grunting and growling. And she's obviously seen it before. And she was like, Rhea, scream. And I was like, ah! And because there were people in the room. And I was like, oh, but if I let go, like, I might make them feel uncomfortable. And she just kept saying, Rhea, scream. And eventually I was like, hitting the mattress and oh my god it was the most cathartic thing I've ever done next to like giving birth and making those noises it was primal and um afterwards I was like I felt a little bit lightheaded but I was just like I feel so much lighter and then like and then I got a bit emotional because then it's important that when you're doing tantric work not to intellectualize the feelings just hold space for them don't put labels on them but I unfortunately am still in that what I still want to make sense of it so I try and explain it and one thing that came up for me was it was almost like my my yoni was saying that rage was for all the times you've said yes when you meant no oh wow yeah I'm gonna try not to cry (laughs) but that's and I literally it just it came up as I was sat there still integrating this big release that I'd had and I just poured with tears and it took me I think it was two or three days before I kind of felt a little bit centered with it um but yeah it was a huge release and then off the back of that I then had this huge sexual awakening where I ended up having my first ever energy orgasm and now there's no way that that would have been able to step in if I hadn't have cleared I know that 100% because I was there was like a push pull when she was doing the energy work on my root chakra and it was like that smallness that safety it's like no no stay here we know here but then this other part of me is like come on look we're ready to move into this bit and it was like this and then that the rage was building up in me because I was like just fucking let it go (laughs) and I just I couldn't you know and and that's the story of my life it's like wanting to step into things and trust that I'm made for bigger and better but like that fear holding me back because it's like but what what if we look stupid what if we get it wrong what if someone makes fun of us what if we get abandoned or betrayed or rejected I don't want to feel like that but stepping into that, the stuff that I have received, like a gift for being brave enough to step out of my fear and into something that I don't fully understand, but I know is the right path for me, has just been incredible. And, um, yeah, I've again going back to what we were saying about just almost not believing that that kind of happiness is true 
like I've had out of body experiences. So, you know, you sometimes watch these these videos and you're like, like you say, like the eye roll, like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Someone's doing a hard sell on this yeah. course, aren't they? Yeah. And then you actually experience it and you're like, oh shit, like this it is exists. real. It's real, yeah. And then like everything else in the universe is like, oh my God, well, if if that's true, then maybe that's true, you know, like you know, the whole non-duality thing. Like I literally in a tantric experience felt complete oneness. Like I was out of my body. The closest thing I've ever had to it was when I had an epidural and it was like, I know it's a weird thing to compare it to, but it was like the pressure that that this guy was giving me was like, it should have been really painful because I could feel the amount of pressure he was putting, but I wasn't fully connected to it because I was just outside of my body and my body was allowing it to release the trauma and release the pain and step further into my pleasure and my joy. But I wasn't fully connected to it. And it was, I was, I was floating, absolutely floating. And um, like, I can do that now. I can tap into that. If I go for a wild swim and I do some breath work, like I can have these transcendent experiences I can f- fully step into my pleasure. I like for someone who was codependent, didn't understand her body, wasn't connected to her body, didn't know how to have an orgasm, um, didn't know how to feel joy, masked, use alcohol as a coping mechanism to be getting high off my own supply. <laughs> like it's like, yeah, oh so, my yeah. goodness, absolutely, absolutely, and I mean. The same thing you know like that's what it's like for me now it's and this is why it's so important that I always say when I'm working with anyone um, you'll know from my program or just in any of my experiences I'm really really big on getting people to feel the teaching or the lesson happening in their own body or in their own life because I am more aware than anybody that if I'm just sitting preaching about it's this is possible this is possible and this is what it feels like and this is how you can do it like that's amazing but there's going to be a certain percentage of people who are listening to that rolling their eyes into the back of the head like I was at one point you know and so that's kind of like the consuming of the knowledge, but giving somebody and getting somebody to be able to have a direct experience of like the teaching or the lesson that you're trying to share with them is completely different because once they felt it once, like once they've had that experience, they don't then have to believe you that it's possible. You know, like they know it's possible because they've felt it. So now it's just an invitation for them to go deeper into that and to experience more of that or to learn how to bring that more into their lives, you know, so that they'd no longer, like you said, so that they no longer have to sit in tantric practice in order to have that spiritual experience. Like life just becomes the spiritual experience and I think that's where like you know having that getting people to really feel and experience that in their bodies 
you know, because it's hard, like it's hard to get someone to like really, really believe it, especially if this person is like in the depths of their trauma or the depths of chronic illness. And maybe they've been on a healing journey for a while and they're struggling to keep their head above water. If you can even for a second get that person to like feel what it's like in their own body or in their own life to be that like open and connected and at peace and feel that just love expanding in them like I don't even know how to describe it into words you know but if you can get someone to just even feel it for a second in practice their entire journey will change you know, because no longer they're just, they're not just taking your word for it anymore, you know, they know. And so now mm-hmm. they're going to be even more committed. Your testament to that for my journey, Kirsty, because I was lucky enough to find you quite early on in those moments where I was trying to absorb all this information. I was like, I need to know, you know, exactly as you <laughs> said, like all the books, all the, the daily on workshops. And, you know, I was like, what can I do to heal but when I came across your stuff and it was real embodiment of the work and you were holding people accountable for it as well like checking in and seeing how far they were since the last time you know that that kind of accountability rather than me just buying a course and it's sitting in my inbox was hugely transformational and again having the sisterhood it's it's like every layer of healing that I needed at that point to embody that work is what you gifted. And, you know, off the back of it now, I'm getting to then pay that forward in my therapies or now, you know, learning how to be a tantric uh, masseuse and, you know, just just having conversations with my sisters, you know, and telling them about your work and, you know, <sighs> I just love you. <laughs> I know, I get really emotional <laughs> just thinking about how far, like like how we started this call, you know, just thinking about how far you've came, how far we both came since we've known each other and just the journey that we've been on together and separately. I'm just so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for you and, oh, my goodness, I'm so proud of you as well. Oh my goodness. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I just love, I love, I love the journey that you're on at the minute. Um, the, you know, tantric journey and diving deeper into that and into yourself because I, I know, I'm like, I know where this is leading. You know, <laughs> I don't in one way, but in the other way, like I know, you know, and I know that it's when you're on this journey of like this tantric journey and where you are that it just continues to get better and better and better you know and I'm just I'm so excited I just love I love everything about it I'm so excited for you every time you give me a little update about your tantric journey I'm just like oh I'm so excited for you so juicy isn't it like just honestly couldn't believe that this level of ecstasy was possible it it makes me realize how numb I was like how disassociated I was and 
like I have so much more empathy and tolerance for people that are numbing because it's such a far journey from that to like the ecstasy particularly in a western culture because of all the shit that we get fed with technology and substances and yeah just so many ways to numb ourselves big pharma as well is another one of them you know it's like rather than listening to our bodies and connecting to our bodies and trusting our bodies we're finding every which way to shut it off and shut it down the thing is as well that and this can be the most difficult part but to come from that place of like complete numbness whether it's dissociation or alcohol or drugs or just holding it all inside and pretending it's not there you have to face the fact that in order to feel it all in this way that we're talking about you have to feel it all like there's no way around that you have to feel it all you have to walk through that fire of learning how to let your emotions back in and learning how to connect with your emotions and to actually feel them and process them in your body instead of what you mentioned earlier on intellectualizing it which is what we often do um i mean anytime i start working with a new group of women one of the hardest things is getting them to because we i mean we've been taught this and it's definitely a good thing in some ways but to just stop questioning like trying to figure out what does this feeling mean or what's the root of this feeling or where does it come from and instead just feel it you know like that's what it is it's a feeling so feel it you don't need to figure it out all the time you need to actually just feel what that is like in your body and allow yourself to sit with it and allow yourself to recognize like okay this is grief and it feels heavy it feels horrible like I feel sick actually um but being able to actually just sit there and witness that and feel it rather than intellectualizing and trying to figure it out and get to the root of it all the time then allows you to actually expand your tolerance Mm -hmm. for stress and for difficult emotions because when you're numbing yourself out and you don't know how to feel your emotions any difficult emotion at all is going to feel like it's going to send you over the edge because you don't know what to do with it because you're not used to allowing any difficult or good emotion in but when you like I said kind of walk through that fire of letting your emotions in and expanding your capacity to feel your emotions you then get to a place where you're in ecstasy you're in joy and it doesn't mean that bad feelings don't happen but when the love and the ecstasy is like this big the bad feeling only feels this big you know and when that Mm -hmm. bad feeling is surrounded by so much love and joy and ecstasy it feels a little bit easier to cope with whereas in the past when you're not letting in anything Mm -hmm. so you don't have the joy and love and ecstasy to hold it 
then you're just letting a little bit of the difficult emotion in. It can feel like it's going to put you over the edge. Yeah, definitely, because it can swallow it, can't it? Depending on what your reality is, that's going to swallow the smaller ones because that's, you know, that's just how it goes. So you, like, I know it sounds very woo-woo, but love is the answer to everything. Like, you know, it's not to say that you don't feel it because if I hadn't have done the shadow work four years ago and then, you know, six years before that, I wouldn't have been able to get to the really beautiful juicy feelings I had to walk through that crap first but like every time you do it it's not it's not like you're starting from scratch every time like the bottom falls out of something and you have to start again you know with a new reality because you're coming from wisdom every single time and I think we forget that because it's new it's like oh back here again but you're not really back there. Like healing is is like this cylinder going up, isn't it? And every time you're getting an upgrade, every time you're getting more wisdom and more knowledge to add to the other stuff. And it might not be at the front of your your mind. That's not a bad thing because, again, we don't need to intellectualise it. We don't need to remember every experience we've moved through and all the pain and all the lessons. We just have that inner knowing and that energy upgrade to move deeper into the next chapter of our journeys and that's like what you're describing there like that's literally what alchemy is you know it's about that like changing of emotions and self and that version of ourself that like each time we go around of that spiral it might look like for a second we're at the same place and like as we come back around, but in actual fact, something in us has shifted. We have mm-hmm. that like next level of understanding, or we have something new to add to it this time so that we can cope with it a bit better or understand it a bit better, or maybe even that might be the time to release it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And the more that we do that, the more it transmutes, the more it transforms. And then so do we until we get to this point where you know just like I was saying like now looking back I'm like oh my god who was she down there at the bottom of this spiral you know like she's unrecognizable but it did it wasn't just like a straight ladder up you know it was that kind of gradual moving upwards and these new different like experiences and upgrades and shifts that were happening over time to then get to that point yeah no one tells you either do they like the hardest bit of the spiral I think is is that initial bit going up because for me like I felt like it was slower a slower pace at the beginning of the spiral whereas now like the loops are just so much quicker like the upgrades are so much quicker so it's because like do you know once you get past those initial Like you have to think you're starting from not just ground zero, you're starting from a negative, you know? So like Mm. you're starting from a negative spiral. So it's like, you have to not only like turn that around, but you have to get yourself like out of the negative and into the positive. But then once you're able to do that and get past that kind of sticking point, you gain momentum. 
and it just begins to move faster and faster and things begin to shift and unfold and you know like you said it just then feels like it's moving in a way that's like effortless and easy and you don't have to focus anymore on moving the spiral it's just happening it's for me it's like intuition now like I don't even again because I'm not I'm not intellectualizing it like I used to back then I had to intellectualize it because it was my way of controlling things and moving forward I had to have some element of um what journey to go on next whether you know say it was a workshop or it was I think that's part of the journey in itself you know we have to do that part where we're intellectualizing it in order to then realize like okay I actually don't need to do that anymore yeah, because it's it's like driving, isn't it? Like you have to learn exactly how to move the gears, how to hold the wheel, and then eventually you're just driving, you know, sometimes very unconsciously, <laughs> <laughs> as I found out the other day. Oh, yeah. oh, dear. Check in occasionally. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I'm really grateful for the fact that I saw the importance of self-care an investment in myself early on yeah. um, because those self-sabotaging behaviours um, started to look less shiny, <laughs> you know, and it's stupid, isn't it? You would think that, you know, any self-sabotaging behaviour, you could be like, oh, why am I doing this? I don't want to do that. But that's the dynamic that you're in until you start to gift yourself a little bit more and then that feels good and you want that stuff more than you want the old stuff um you're not ready to kind of honor yourself the way you deserve but that's how I found my self-worth and now I'm at a point now where like people can say and do what they want they can have whatever opinion they want of me I don't my my self-worth does not depend on their opinions it's my it's my what I think about myself and there's still times that you know I shame myself or I let myself down but I Again, I'm, I don't sit there and berate myself like I used to. I just yeah. visit it for a little bit. And I'm like, okay, we're not doing this. <laughs> yeah, let's move on already. We've been there. We've done that. Okay, let's get past it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ria. And I wish that we could stay here for hours <laughs> and talk. I really, really do because, you know, um, this has been a really, really interesting conversation so we'll definitely definitely be doing it again but I just want to say thank you so much for coming on for sharing your story for sharing your vulnerability um, and just thank you for being you thank you for everything I love you so much I love you too Kirsty thank you darling